Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Scott Agnes going to join us in about an hour. We'll talk with him. We'll keep the Purdue conversation going here in just a second. I got a stat for you. Uh, I want to appreciate uh, listener Charlie. You ready for this? Have you read this huh? stat yet that he no. tagged us in this morning? All right, listen to this. This is from Stats. okay, about last night's game in Mackey. Northwestern is the only Division One team in the last 25 years to score 95-plus points, shoot 55% or better, dish out 20-plus assists, have fewer than 10 turnovers, and yet still lose. Division One teams had been 763-0 over that span when putting up those numbers in a college basketball game. <laughs> No wonder Chris Collins ejected at the end. (laughs) Damn on multiple levels. I feel for the person that actually looked that up. It's not Uh, us. I I, I don't even know how you even (laughs) think or find that. Uh, And secondly, yeah, you know, I get Chris Collins' frustration, but I will echo what I said early in the show. The man literally said (laughs) coming into the game in regards to his three big men, we have 15 fouls to use. We're going to use them. Like, he spoke it into prophecy right there. I mean, how many fouls did they use? I mean, it was like 13 of the 15, right? Nicholson had two immediately. Like, he had had two, boom. Nicholson, the other dude, fouled out. Uh, Was that Hunger, I believe? Uh, Hunger, uh, 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 Martinelli, and Nicholson. stayed in the game, right? Preston was the one that finished the game He he only had two fouls, but Martinelli, Hunger, Nicholson all uh, fouled out from the game. You know, there's been part of me over the years that has watched Notre Dame, which has been, you know, on the good Mike Bray teams, they're much more of a perimeter-oriented team. Sure. And Notre Dame has finished some games in their Big East days or even the ACC days where I'm like, damn, 20 free throw discrepancy in the game? And I'm like, well, you kind of get what you earn. Like, if you attack down low and you attack the rim and you have a big dude, you're more prone to get to the foul line than if you don't. If you're and I watch Northwestern and I honestly think of kind of those Notre Dame teams a little bit of very guard oriented, very skilled. They don't really defend anyone on the other end of the floor. And they just got kind of like complimentary big dudes. And so I'm not shocked by that number to the degree of like that is absolute BS. Chris Collins should rip the Big Ten officials. He should be fine. Look at the first matchup. How many foul shots did Purdue shoot in that one? Uh, 41. That's what I'm saying. The, the last two games, 87, 46, 41. It's kind of Northwestern's yeah. MO. If you look at it, again, maybe not to this level, but if you look at it, they foul a lot. They don't get to the foul line a lot. And they did this to Purdue in the first matchup. And Chris Collins, this was kind of their game plan. Like, we are going to use all of these fouls. And by the way, it was a good game plan the way Purdue shot the ball right. from the free throw line. It's kind of a good game Which, plan, low-key. That, that, to me, was kind of a surprising element of, you know, Hack Edie is not something people have done. No, he's been solid. I know. He's usually know. a very good foul shooter. What was his final total last night? Uh, last last night, his final total one, I just had it pulled up. Hang on. Uh, da, 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 Edie was 8 of 17 from the free throw line last night. And he's what? Usually north of 70%? Yeah, he is usually this season, and this is factored in last night, at 72%.
Right. So last night, obviously, you know, brought that down a little bit. So the overtime helped everyone. Purdue scored 24 points in that overtime. And of course, you get what did Gill? <laughs> I thought Gillis hit maybe all four free throws there. He did after the technicals because after the game, Painter talked about it. He's like, Lance Jones had 26. You know, maybe I put him at the line. Maybe I should have thought about uh, that so he Lance could he could potentially get to 30 no, points. But but Gillis, I think Gillis has, deserves it. Well, too. that that was his point. Was Gillis has such given a great role yeah, player, has yeah. given up some you know some minutes probably this season. There was I, I don't know I feel like, like a little sappy for college basketball here in the last 48 hours. You really have. There was a really cool moment. I think it was late in regulation. Um and I know I've obviously poked fun at the Jack Collinsworth Stephen Bardo duo at times. I really enjoy Kevin Kugler and Robbie Hummel cuz Hummel is great, you know, from an analytical standpoint, X and O standpoint, you know, to kind of nerd out and explain to us what's going on. Kevin Kugler next to him is wonderful in giving us the emotion. Oh, he's great, yeah. And there was a point late in regulation where it was a timeout. They don't go to commercial. They stay in Mackey, and both Kugler and Hummel, they don't speak. They just let it breathe, and they just, I mean, just camera shots all around Mackey, a lot of the paint crew, a lot of the student section, uh, you know, one of the, I don't know, Sandstorm or one of those, you know, EDM songs is playing, and just an awesome shot of, like, a great Wednesday night college basketball atmosphere, and I, I just love that. You know, oftentimes you either see those moments just go to commercial and you miss out on it, or, you know, you get a couple of announcers or graphics thrown up and you don't get to fully experience that. Uh, that was really cool to see, and just kind of the cherry on top uh, for what I thought was a great back-and-forth game, some terrific individual performances, great shot-making, in particular from Northwestern for sure, uh, and just an awesome, awesome game. And, and, and I walk away from that thinking – Northwestern is that's a team that can win multiple games in tournament, even as like a six or a seven seed. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, if, you're, see if, you're, if you're a two seed right now and you're ending going to be, you know, Houston or Kansas, you know, Kansas doesn't have the best guard play, and you you get you get Northwestern right. in a neutral in a neutral site. God, Boo Boo is so good. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know this from you guys. Your so thoughts on your thoughts on Sandstorm. Your thoughts on Sandstorm is what Purdue does out of the uh-huh. halftime. It honestly makes me think back to high school. They would play this with a minute to go in the passing period. <laughs> like you need to drop really? some acid and have some glow uh-huh. sticks on you. Speaking of EDM bands, this and final countdown, and then you'd have to race, you know, to your classroom. Do you see the Indy Five Hundred? You know, they always have a bunch of EDM. You know, have you seen type, the Indy Five Hundred uh, around the Snake Pit? <laughs> well, you ever, I, you ever, you ever been to I that? Have, you I, ever? Uh, I, I've never glow, been to the Snake Pit. Glow, glow sticks in the mouth for Kevin Bowen. Yeah, I, I've been to the Indy Five Hundred <laughs> here. Um, yeah, be careful what you ingest when you go into the Snake Pit. I was not familiar with the names, but JMV informed me that, uh, what is it, uh, tr- Tim Trumpet Tim, something wrong? Oh, Timmy the Trumpet, Timmy, yeah, and, is and going the, to be there. So this is the Edwin Diaz, the Mets closer song? That the Mets completely, you know, drove into the ground two years ago, that everyone started to do it, but I did see that, a bunch of e, a bunch of EDM. Uh, you mentioned the crowd, Matt, after the game, Matt Painter did say, he's like, yeah, I was trying to call plays on the sideline, and it didn't matter. He's like nobody could hear me. Crowd was so loud, which is great. But he's like, yeah, no, nobody could hear me. Could I so say one? Th- Purdue, well, I, go ahead. I, I, go I'm ahead. just gonna add one, one more yeah. thing to the noise. Purdue does like a decibel oh, meter, sure. which you know, I'm sure. sure pretty much every major college venue does that. And How accurate are those things? Well, yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm always curious about that. Uh, but I guess the loudest moment in Mackey occurred last night when Fletcher Lawyer hit the dagger three to ice it there. And again, the Fletcher Lawyer reaction 
Uh, not sure if all the moms out there totally understood what Fletcher was doing there, but <laughs> Sam Cassell somewhere. That's a Boston Celtic assistant, right, Sam Cassell? Oh, boy, yeah. Is that where he's at? I think he is. Night off for the Celtics, I assume, after back-to-back? I don't know if Sam was uh, dialed in Big Ten maybe Network. He was, but maybe he was dialed into the Big Ten Network. Maybe I don't know. to Sam Cassell from Fletcher Lawyer I, after that one. Just something I've noticed uh, about Purdue. And now this is someone, you know, I took this job in August, and so I watch Purdue, but I didn't follow them like we're follow, like I'm following them now. Okay, I think that's a fair assumption. You move to a different market, you're going to watch things differently. And I've been thinking the last few weeks – what is it about Purdue? And so when we've had our Purdue conversations, KB, I'm not saying they're always the same, but you know Purdue is in an odd spot that they're so good, and they're one of the few teams that is so good. Like, I think Kentucky was pretty good this year. Well, I mean, look what they've done the last three games. They lost last night to, to Florida. They were up four with 50 seconds to go, KB, and they lost to Florida in overtime, okay? So it's like Purdue hasn't had... You know, that like a string of where they played poor for two weeks. And I got thinking, by the way, Matt Painter on today with JMV, I think at four o'clock. We had Matt Painter on like a month ago, whatever it was, month and a half ago. I love listening yeah, to Matt well, Painter. Well, and Matt Painter had a conversation with us that in the recruitment process, whether um it be Braden Smith, whether it be Lance Jones, that he doesn't want to deal with stuff. I remember him saying that, and I'm sure that's something that, he, you know, rhetoric that he's used for many years around here. But I think the thing with Purdue and them being so good uh, is not, yes, is, you know, they out hustle teams. You think of the Indiana game. It's all the, it's all the good things and all the good players and all the clutch, you know, items, all the wins that they've had. But you know what Matt Painter maybe has done as good as anyone in the country and I think it has swayed even the amount here that Purdue has talked about. And that is this. Purdue is a team that the last couple years, and definitely this season, Kevin, there's no drama around them. Think about it. Even good teams have yeah. drama, right? You know, there's a player or two that, that's, you know, that's the... You know, kind of left out, and maybe they pout, or maybe they have a mysterious injury, and we're asking, oh, what about this? Or you lose a string of games, two out of three, three in a row, to where we're looking at you saying, hey, what's going on there? Or there's something between a coach and a player. Somebody gets benched. Someone is going through this massive slump that is, you know, that is a problem. There's something off the floor. There's there's something that is always being harped on. Mike Woodson, good God, there's always something that's being harped on. I think that's the most, you know, to me, you go through all these teams, so much drama in sports, so much drama in college basketball. Matt Painter has kept his really good team away from, I'm not saying they're not interesting, but they don't give you a headline and that is on purpose. And that's that's a skill that Matt Painter has. A lot of people have been frustrated with how college athletics have evolved over the past, you know, what, two or three years, probably maybe a handful of years. Purdue is, it's a feel-good story. I mean, if you are just a casual observer, and if you have no ties to Bloomington or an 812 area code or Southern Indiana, uh, you can get behind Purdue pretty easily. And that's what I think makes uh, them a team that, yeah, they've been routinely a top five team, but there's more to it. Um, There isn't, you know, that, you know, drama like you said, or um, if you're very bothered by the transfer portal or things like that, or one and dones, or however you want to describe it, Purdue's not that either. Um, so uh, that element to them is there. And, you know, I, I said it to you last week and 
Um, to me, it's so much about putting the puzzle together. And Lance Jones, you won't find him on any sort of top 50, top 70 transfer portal list from last offseason. And it, it, it's a great, great find. And how key was he last night? I mean, the amount of big shots he made, again, defending Bowie at times, um, just outstanding from him. So many great individual performances last night inside of Mackey. Yeah, and I'm not sure, you know, other Purdue teams, we talk about, you know, they knew, let's say they don't have Lance Jones, okay, with what they've had, or they get someone who is a lesser player, who is much more of a bench player, they'd have a couple losses. They'd still be, what, a one or two seed. I mean, they'd still be one of the best teams in the country, and, and these, but they go out and they get better. I mean, Lance Jones made them a great, they made a one seed a great deal better. Yeah, I feel better on February 1st this year than I did last year. Hell, I'd feel a lot better if the sun came out today, by the way, as well. I did read something. Uh, it's what, the twenty five like, out of the last 25 years, this is the gloomiest January we've had really? in this area in like so, 2025 years. I saw something crazy in the sky yesterday. It was kind of blue. I was like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, oh, it's the blue sky. <laughs> no, that's very so, weird. That was Southwest. Very odd. No, it was something yeah, yeah. else. Was yeah. You got tricked. Your eyes were messed your up. Eye there. Um, one thing to note on Purdue, these continued, you know, just kind of holding serve in the Big Ten. While they're not maybe the most marquee things, it just continues to set up the path. I mean, they'd have to absolutely fall in their face to not be a a one seed, and in all likelihood, they're going to be the number one overall seed. So the path is going to be Cambridge Fieldhouse for the first two rounds and then Detroit for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Uh, again, You're going to Detroit, right? You're following Purdue the whole way. You love that city, right? They would have to be absolutely just an awful month of February for that. Not Look at to, a Tigers game. Why do, you hate, yeah, why, do you hate, why do you hate Detroit? Just, just because it's Detroit? Oh, because the brawl, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah my bad. I actually I like they knocked that. down the Silver Dome. Yeah, where I actually Hulk like that's Auburn, that's Auburn Hills. That's not, you know. Is it Jets Pizza that does the Detroit style? Yes. yes. I actually mm-hmm. like that. That's oh, good, Detroit man. style is pretty good. Can I uh, make this rivalry happen? Pacers next again? All right, so I was... Halliburton Brunson, Team USA. Yeah, Brunson's like OG 27 a game. Uh, you know, former teammates, it's the hard-nosed defense against the great-looking offense. Yeah, Thibodeau, don't we just hate him? Shouldn't we hate him? Can Tyrese it. do the choke towards Something? Spike Lee tonight? Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what needs to happen. The Knicks need to be up, you know, seven, seven with 50 seconds to go, and then Neesmith hits a three, and it's a steal, and Halliburton hits a three. I was listening to a podcast by Amin Al uh, Hassan, who used to be, uh, he's with Levitard Show and everything else, he used to be with ESPN uh, and everything else, and, and he's good. He was in the front office for a couple teams, including the Phoenix Suns. He thinks that... This is the best. Going back to that, remember the Carmelo Anthony team that they just put like Jason Kidd and a bunch of like older players around him. Do you remember that team? Is when they they won over sixty games, well, I believe, the that year. Beat them in the second round one year when Hibbert blocked Mello at the rim. Um, it was one of the it was one of the it was one of the Mello it was one of the Mello three matchups. Yeah, it was one of the Mello teams. And he says since that team, this is the best team. He thinks this is the best Knicks team in the last like two decades. Just because, you know, they got rid of R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, who were kind of more guys that you would see fit with what maybe Rick Carlisle's doing with the Pacers, a little bit more free balling, if you will, free will on the court. And they got a guy like OG Ananobi who is fitting into more of their system. That's why they've been good, and that's why even with injuries, they feel like they've been good. I, I just, yeah, I mean, New York has always had kind of like the flashy team 
uh, or whatever. You know, now they have like the hard nose team, which you know New York fans always like. I could see. Listen. If something juicy happened tonight, I could see that happen well, in the next year or so. Think back to a month ago when we had the ball sure. game. Remember? Sure. Uh, Pacers, Bucks. <laughs> I was talking to Bucks a buddy lost of mine, last night again, by the way. And he was like, boy, I'm all for like spice and I'm all for a rivalry, but I'd really like it not to be Giannis. You know, like okay. w- 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 when all sure. the Pacers, yeah. Bucks drama happened. Yeah, I'm I feel fine like with Pacers, that. Knicks is a little safer. You know, I, I don't... We Julius, don't care about Bucks fans. Julius Randle's not keeping me up at night. I mean, fine player. Jalen Brunson's not keeping me up. Like, Giannis in a seven-game series. He'll, he'll keep you up. I still don't want to see that. Yeah, but also, Bucks fans aren't New York fans. Bucks I'm, fans are Bucks fans. They're right, not New York fans right, as well. They, and that's part of it. Yeah, the New York fans are easier to hate. Thousand percent. Seven thirty tonight. Pacers Knicks. We'll chat o- more Obi about Topin that. Obi Toppin revenge game. On the, on the right other now. side, Obi Toppin. <laughs> Obi Toppin. There you go. Madison Square Garden. We'll see about the tribute video against Scott yeah. Agnes. Had some, I think, positive Halliburton news, contractually related. We'll explain that. He's going to join us coming up at 8.30. More Purdue talk with Brian Newbert from Golden Black at 9. And a cool all-star event we'll share with you, courtesy of local product, former Super Bowl participant Sheldon Day. He's going to join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. It is Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. A little Colts chatter. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the other side. When I think of Scott Agnes, I think of Limp Biscuit and Nookie. Oh, the Red <laughs> Yankees cap, you know Scott Agnes. <laughs> Those are the two that things the that uh, I bring together. We're rolling, 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 uh, rolling. Uh, I need I you to appreciate this. I this do. Intro cap. Oh, you know I love it. Uh, Brian Newberg going to join us coming up uh, 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk some Purdue with him. A lot of Purdue today as they had the nice overtime. Big thrilling win last night in Mackey. More Pacers conversation. They get ready uh, tonight. It's the Knicks, 7.30. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 7 o'clock, and Scott Agnes joins us here from Fieldhouse Files, and he does so on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, good morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> good morning, but yeah, Limp Biscuit definitely not my flavor. <laughs> what is your flavor, if you don't mind me asking, Scott? I, I only know like I only know you from Pacer stuff. I know nothing about your life. So what is your what is your are you an OAR fan or what? What's going on? Are you a Bush fan? Uh, honestly. M- uh, and recently, in the last several years, a lot more the the new country. Your Thomas Rhett, Luke Bryan, all that. That's Morgan, kind of the route I. You Morgan go. Wallen guy. Okay, absolutely. Okay, okay. Scott, I, I see what you're saying. You're, you're a frequent concert goer, right? Is that fair to say? I mean, obviously you're a busy man, but you also don't miss the opportunity to catch a show here in Indy, do you? Absolutely. I think it's. I think I've found out, KB, that's working in sports. Concerts have kind of become my sports. That's my outlet. Sure. To enjoy, I like so, yeah, that. I try to go to as many concerts whenever I get a free night. Do you have cowboy? Do you have an outfit? Do you have like a? Do you have cowboy boots? Let me start there. Do you have any cowboy boots? I, I do not. No, okay. I'm not right, bad. Well, okay, no, but I do frequent <laughs> Ruoff Concert Center up north, and, and a lot more coming downtown to White River this upcoming year. So White River is a great venue. Absolutely love that venue, Scott. We've been teasing it all morning long with you. You had some news yesterday in regards to the 65 game rule with Tyrese. Halliburton, uh, care to share that uh, with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that's huge for Tyrese in particular. And, and just being the human element, you just feel for the guy, right? Because 
he wants to do everything he can to play. He's not been one of those players, uh, you know, taking part in the load management and everything. And that's the big deal with uh, this new 65 game rule. And so in the last year, there was a new collective bargaining agreement. That's something decided and agreed upon by the owners and by the players. So everybody's in on it. And that means that players must play in at least 65 games to be eligible for the major awards. You're talking MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All-NBA at the end of the year. And so for Tyrese, that's something we're already beginning to track here with, uh, you know, as we get to the second half of the season right now, is Tyrese has already missed 13 games this season that counts against his number. And so now moving forward, uh, he's got to watch the number of games he misses. And that's a a real challenge, I think, for both Tyrese and the Pacers, right? It's the conundrum of you want him to be out there as much as he can. You want him to also sit while he needs to sit to get it right and not rush back. Yet at the same time, only this year, if he qualifies for all NBA, it would trigger another 5% bonus escalator in his contract for the next five years that would basically be worth something like $53 million roughly, just estimates because we don't know the true salary cap until it comes out each year. Now, what I learned here recently and reported is that the in-season championship game, the in-season tournament out in Las Vegas, it doesn't count for stats. It doesn't count against the Pacers' record. It doesn't help the Lakers' record. The stats basically mean nothing and are forgotten. However, what I've learned is that that game does count against Tyree Talliburton's games played total, which means he can miss one more additional game uh, in the aggregate here. So he has four more games to miss. Otherwise, it was going to be three. And the other game, I think, at the end of the year, and that's that's the only time it can um, be even considered, is uh, he, I think he could file kind of an arbitration, an exception for the game he got injured. Right. Because he played 13, 13 minutes and 29 seconds. And for two of the games, I know this is very complicated and deep in the weeds, but a player may play up to two games where he plays between 15 and 20 minutes a season, and that counts for this 65-game total. The point of that, of course, being we don't want you check in, play the tip off, and check out like Drew Holiday did uh, for for a bonus in his contract uh, several years ago. So mostly, to summarize all of this, it's basically – uh, this one additional game that Tyrese can count towards his record and presumably that he continues to play the way he does, he would get voted in on All-NBA. And if he does that, it is a big deal towards his money. All right, I want to get to the Knicks and everything else. Just one more on this. You know, I- I've said sure. that Halliburton, unfortunately, and Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse fi- uh, Files following the Pacers on the Payless Lickers hotline. You know, Scott, for me – some of the sins of guys maybe four, five, and six years ago have caught up a little bit with guys like Tyrese Halliburton. And then on the flip side, this was collectively bargained. Uh, and then you throw all that in, and you know Halliburton's been consistent. Yesterday he was on with uh, with Jake and Jimmy, and, and he was right. He's like, this is for the load management people, not the people that actually get injured. And I've been injured. At the same time, for these awards and for extra money on top of a max deal, to me, availability does matter. Boy, there's a lot of gray area. It's a nuance conversation I don't know if you said okay we're going to do something other than 65 games what you would even do what's your personal opinion on this because I'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer 
Yeah, it's all it's all in good faith. It's all trying to gear it towards the fan and and, and getting keeping the players out on the court. And so when they show up to your town, you can with a good knowledge know that a player is going to be available and your tickets worth the value that you're paying because those are not cheap. However, what I don't like is putting an arbitrary number. Like, how do we get a 65? That right. means you missed 17. Right. Why not 64? Why not 68? And in doing so, um, I, I, I think you're, the, the real threat here is what if your MVP is like your fourth choice and all NBA is made up of a role player rather than all NBA should be your top 15 guys. That's three, three teams on all NBA. And so that's something that they're going to have to take a look at, I think, here because – um, yeah, this this is a real concern, and even more so, the other point in all this, too, is the All-NBA, which is voted on by the media, which is fine, but there's because we're probably the best at it, even though it's not perfect. There's no perfect system here. That's the other thing. But in doing so, the media, in voting Tyrese or not All-NBA, uh, essentially has a say in his contract, and nobody should have a say in somebody else's money. But I don't know a better system. That's the challenge there as well. Again, Scott Agnes is with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, we are a week out from the trade deadline. When Pascal Siakam was traded here, I thought for sure we'd see another move by the Pacers. You know, kind of a log jam at the four position. You know, who knows about Buddy Heald's situation. The Pacers have said they like Buddy a lot. Of course, you know, when they expressed some contract talks with them, that was before the Pascal Siakam trade. Finances are a little bit different. Um, I guess where is your level of you thought another trade might happen and where is that level here a week out? Um, should I have the same level of thought, you think, or would you be surprised at this point if they made another move? Well, yeah, it, it, here's the funny part. is Right now is right when trades generally start to happen. What just happened in the last month with Toronto, with the Knicks and the Pacers, is the rarity there. It's usually deals do not get done until – you close in on the last week or two before the trade deadline. So generally now you're going to start hearing talks and in real substantive conversations start to have rather than just guys and teams checking in with each other, seeing what happens and all that. Um, I don't, I don't, the sense I get is the Pacers are now aren't in any great urgency to make another trade. Um, but I think if they can find a way to get in on something, um, you might see that. Um, I, with Obi, you're going to have his rights. With Buddy, um, I, I think you, you're going to realize he's the, the Pacers and Buddy like the relationship and what they are doing. I just don't think they're, they're agreeing on the money for the future part. And with that said, you know that means Buddy was going to have to go find somebody else in free agency if he's if he does indeed hit the market to pay him what he will and will they? That's what what I don't know at this juncture. Um, so I, I, I guess right now I sit back and say, I, I don't think the Pacers are forcing anything, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they get involved and, and find some kind of a deal. Cause again, this is where the front office is at their best. Scott Agnes with us here on the fan on this Thursday, pay less liquors hotline. He's from Fieldhouse files. So 22 minutes 
uh, two nights ago, 22 minutes for Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Carlisle on here and even Halliburton on the fan and, you know, press conferences and everything else. They've all admitted, hey, hey, there's going to be a minute restriction. We're going to ease Tyrese kind of back in to everything. What do you make of the easing him back in? Uh, and what do you think happens tonight? You think he plays more minutes? You think they stagger those minutes? So perhaps if it is a close game in the fourth quarter, we see Halliburton and maybe not as much Andrew Nemhard. Uh, what do you make of what the Pacers are doing here as they try to play him and keep him healthy at the same time? Yeah, this is the plan, Andy, that I'm much more comfortable with. I was not comfortable uh, with with Tyrese playing 35 minutes in his first game cross-country in Portland. That one, I mean, him just playing 35 minutes a night uh, is tough as it is. Him doing that on his first game back from a hamstring injury, that was a little concerning to me. So I like the current plan, kind of see – what he looks like here for a week and, and go from there. I could, you know, realistically see this happening through all-star break and then reconsider where we're at. So go for the next couple of weeks uh, with this kind of minutes restriction, and maybe it can grow a little bit um, based on that um, and how he's feeling and how he responds. And also, though, keep in mind, tonight's the first night of a back-to-back, and as he said on the show yesterday, he's trying to play in the back-to-back. And to go back to our first conversation about right. You know, his 65 games of load management, that, that's not him. If you know Tyrese and Benedict Mather and so many guys on this Pacers roster, it hurts them more. Buddy Heald especially, by the way. You tell them to miss practice, and they, they're going to do everything they can and go kicking and screaming not to. So it's, this is a tough conversation with Tyrese. I think he's acknowledged it. He's accepted it. Knows it's for him, his health, and for the team. And I think they'll probably keep in mind right about that 25-minute minutes restriction now you did raise a good point how about how you uh, allot those minutes can you uh, give up some minutes in the first half or early to to extend him late in games and I, I took that uh, last game as hey we need him to get us back in this game because they got down and then made that big run had a terrific third quarter um, and so I wonder how, if the game played out differently if he would be used in a different way there um, because you needed him to kind of help make that comeback and, and get back into things. But I think that 20, 25 minutes is about right. Getting Scott Agnes with us here, courtesy of Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I don't want to, I, I want to make sure that I speak correctly on behalf of you. So obviously feel free to disagree with this if I'm saying it wrong. But you felt like the Pacers had pretty legit interest in OG Ananobi. Obviously, I bring that up because the Pacers' Knicks tonight. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, both going back to the all or not all the trade deadline last year, so a year ago at this time, and and what the Pacers are saying afterward is, man, the the price was just so high. Like you're talking, and I'm saying this now, but they were you know talking about four and five first round draft picks that it would take was the general field to get something like OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam one year ago. Then it went into the summer. Um, and there were more conversations. And then leading into that trade with the Knicks, uh, the Pacers had still had communication with the Knicks trying to get a deal done or anything. I'm not sure if it progressed to a serious or um, to the very end, but I know the Pacers were right there as a finalist trying to get OG Ananobi, and they end up getting Pascal Siakam instead. Again, Ananobi questionable for tonight with that right elbow injury. Yeah, if you just look at you know what the Knicks gave up, it, certainly player-wise, uh, Pacers gave up picks for Siakam. I, I'd be super curious to see just how rich uh, Toronto would have you know called on on the Pacers. I don't you know like R.J. Barrett 
and Emmanuel quickly, I, those names just aren't as obvious to me on the Pacers roster. I mean, I'm sure they would have wanted one of Benedict Mathern or Jarris Walker, but, you know, again, Barrett and quickly have accomplished a lot more in the NBA than those other two. Yeah, the, the guys in Toronto, I believe, were interested. Among them were Benedict Mathern, Andrew Nimhard, Jalen Smith, um, and Jarris Walker as well. Basically, all your any of your young guys – and for good reason, and they have a good outgoing player, of course they're going to try to push um, for one of those guys. And then in terms of tonight, too, while you don't have the national TV storyline, you do have a f- couple fun storylines, right, of hopefully OG Ananobi playing for the Knicks. He's missed the last couple with a left or with an elbow injury, but him and Pascal going against each other. And then for Obi Toppin, this is his return home. He's both from New York, was drafted by the Knicks, played for the Knicks. It's his first time going back to MSG as an opponent. And I'll add the Halliburton-Brunson angle. I mean, two great young point guards, the Team Mm -hmm. USA aspect to it as well. Scott, I want to end with this, and I hope it's not too much of a bummer news or kind of a sad story, but I know you've given us some updates, and there's been some on social media uh, from Scott Pollard here in in recent weeks, and and I think it even dates back a couple of months. For those totally unfamiliar with this story, could you cue our audience in on it? Sure. Yeah. He he uh, is right now looking. Uh, he's on the heart transplant list, trying to uh, extend his life here. Uh, it's something he's explained that goes back and is within his family. His dad dealt with. Um, all this is genetics and such. And so he's not only on the transplant list here in central Indiana, but uh, other places as well. I think actually he's in Chicago right now. Perhaps I think he posted uh, working on, on that angle and trying to ex- get on an additional list. Cause you got to keep in mind, he can't take just any old heart. Uh, he, he being the huge man that he is uh, needs a big old heart to, to, extend his life right now and so this is something that's really been challenging for him over the last uh two three years and and trying to just live and support his family and um you know find the energy to get around each day so we're rooting for him and hopefully he can and he can you know get that heart that he needs and and the transplant uh surgery type thing goes successfully but um yeah this is difficult for him and that's a reason you haven't seen him around the field house or anything like that here in recent years I don't, I'm not sure he, he can do a ton of stuff or has gotten out or uh, had the energy to do a lot of that stuff. But I will say from afar, it's been cool to see uh, one of his sons just absolutely crush it at football. I think he changed positions and Saw is now uh, seemingly scoring Ozzy was every single game it felt like this past fall. Yeah, up at Carmel, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah, for the Greyhound. Yeah. So think about Scott and Don Pollard and certainly their mm-hmm. entire family. As you said, Scott, can't even imagine going through that process. Uh, we covered a lot there. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse File. Scott, thank you, my man. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, guys. Thank you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hallelujah! Is this it? It's like my uh, high school. I kind of feel like it's like early high school for Andy Sweeney. Is is this the one you were thinking yeah, of? This is it, Mark Duncan. Okay. Thank you. This is like every like '90s high school movie opened with this song. 100. American yeah. Pie. American yeah. Pie probably had it. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Every single one. Lovely beautiful weather. Yeah. Ten yeah. things I Road hate about trip, you. Maybe. <laughs> Road ah, trip is a great movie. Look at us. 
Look at us uh, being out. What happened there? Look at us being old, talking about the good old days of American Pie. All right, let's dive into a nine o'clock hour. As always, here on the Wake Up Call, we're broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. Brian Newber joins us here from GoldenBlack.com. We're talking some Purdue basketball. He was in Mackey last night for Purdue's win over Northwestern. Brian, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Uh, we're fantastic. Thank you so much for carving out some time for us. I guess let's start at the end of the game. Chris Collins, the ejection, Brian, the the ejection, walking off the floor, pumping everybody up, the firm handshake with Matt Painter. Uh, I know you were right there. What did you see as all that played out at the end of the game after Purdue got the win? Well, this was actually the first time in I don't know how many years of doing this that I, I, I decided to leave my seat upstairs early. Oh, no. And go downstairs to not fight the crowd coming up the steps. So I was <laughs> oh, no. standing right there at the top of the tunnel. I didn't know what happened because I didn't see the far end of the court what was going on with Collins and the officials. I did see him come up the tunnel waving his arms at the students above the tunnel, kind of kind of, kind of echoing their chants back at them and I just, it seemed like a bit of a scene, uh, obviously. Um, but yeah, he was obviously uh, pretty upset about, um, I'm not sure what exactly triggered it because there was, was no foul on the play that precipitated. I, 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 I didn't really know what set him off. I didn't know if he thought that the clock was going to run out and the, the game was going to end and he was going to go right after the refs and, the game just didn't end. There was still 1.8 seconds on the clock, but um, it was quite a scene, obviously. That is one way to describe it. Pent-up frustration, to say the least, from Chris Collins. As Again, Purdue at 105-96 in overtime last night in Mackey. Brian, you've seen a lot of games in that arena. I guess, to me, that was just an awesome college basketball game. Both teams, great, so yeah. many individual performances. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's an unfair question, but w- where would that one kind of rank for you in terms of not only the atmosphere, but I think more than anything, again, just the amount of individuals that seem to flourish in that environment? Yeah, it's a little early in the morning for me to rack my brain for 20 years of games, but uh, I think that was certainly right up there. I mean, what Northwestern was able to do from a shot-making perspective, I mean, Purdue was 10 of 21 from three-point range and didn't win that category. Um, because Boo Booey and Ty Berry just kept making shot after shot after shot. Uh, you know, Purdue obviously made huge shots too, and um, it was just a really, really big-time shooting performance by two teams that were just damn good offensively. And uh, that should be the story after the game. And, you know, obviously it got kind of hijacked by, by Chris Collins afterwards, talked about free-throw differential, you know, things like that. But the shot-making in that game was as high-level as you're ever going to see in college basketball. No one covers Purdue like Brian Newbert. Again, Golden Black uh, on three is where you can find Brian's work. He's with us here and appreciate the time after a late one at Mackey. Brian, I, I've really ever since day one have just loved what Lance Jones gives this team on both ends of the floor. Do you think the staff of Purdue is surprised by how much he has given them? I mean, like he has been, uh, his play's gone to another level almost in the Big Ten. Do you think they are surprised at all by how much they've gotten from him? Well, I think they expected him to be sort of a final piece of the puzzle type of player. I think they really expected him to be a high-impact guy. I don't know if they expected him to be their second-leading scorer. I didn't. I don't know if they expected him to necessarily, you know, be that guy who made enormous shots yesterday in an enormous game. And 
Uh, he's been doing that all season. Uh, I think they expected him to give them a secondary ball handler that was really going to help them offensively. I think they expected him to be a really important defensive piece for them as an on-ball defender. I think they expected his experience to matter. But what they've gotten, in addition to those things, has been a guy who has really made them a better offensive basketball team with his scoring potential. He's not a leading scorer, but he carries himself like one. And I think that really matters for a team that sometimes just needs somebody to make a play or just make a shot as somebody playing off the ball. Uh, He's been unbelievable at that for Purdue all season long. But also, I think his personality has been something that's been really valuable for Purdue. I think that uh, kind of the the excitement, the charisma, the joy he plays with has been a really valuable chemistry piece for this team and something that has really really endeared him to the fans, too. And that's sort of what college basketball is all about. And that's something that's getting lost with – some of these COVID year portal guys is they're just kind of there for a year. They're just kind of mercenaries. It's been kind of the exact opposite with Lance Jones. He's really ingratiated himself to kind of the Purdue community and they've really responded to him. And he's, he's just, you can't say enough about what he's, he's brought to this team, taking it from one level to another. Talking to some uh, Purdue basketball winners last night over Northwestern. Brian Newbert joins us, goldandblack.com. He does so on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, I've always said, Brian, and I know we haven't met, but I've, I've always said on the radio, you know, when you have a team that's this good, uh, the big picture stuff, we know what it is with Purdue, but now it's like nitpicking things, right? Because you're trying to go to the Final Four and win a national title. Last night, uh, free throws. And he got to overtime the free throw shooting. You know, they should have won that game by more points and should have probably in regulation. They're 186 in the country at free throw percentage. Does that bother you at all, uh, whether last night or big picture with this team at all? Uh, I I wouldn't say so. I think that, you know, their body of work before last night showed they're a pretty good foul shooting team. You know, Zach Eady has been a 75% or thereabouts guy all season long. He's kind of in the middle of some ups and downs here. Um, I think Trey Kaufman ran getting the line and going one for five. I think he's one of Purdue's, one of the guys that Purdue's isn't one of, sorry, I lost control of this. Uh, he's one of, he's one of the guys who's not one of Purdue's best foul shooters. I'll put it that way. Um, but he had been doing pretty well lately. He puts a ton of time into it and um, he just had one of those nights and, you know, Braden Smith missed back-to-back foul shots, and he's one of the guys you absolutely positively want at the foul line. I think that Purdue's okay at the free-throw line. I think they're fine at the free-throw line. I think last night was just one of those nights. and I think that you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, Purdue misses 17 free-throws, I think, in the game. And if you just miss 12 <laughs> instead of 17, you know. You win the game, yeah. This game plays out very, very differently. Um, so no, I, I I wouldn't think it's an an enduring deal, but you know Purdue has to get its kind of kind of collective rhythm back here. Again, it is uh, Brian Newbert with us here. Uh, I love the bio of writer, editor, and insufferable blowhard for GoldenBlack.com. Again, no one covers Purdue like Brian. Um, we're about a month and a half away from Selection Sunday, Brian, and it's a great problem to be in, or I guess it's a great position to be in. There's no debating where Purdue's going to be. They're going to be on the one line. They're in all likelihood going to be the number one overall seed. If Purdue fans see the bracket unfold in front of them, what do you think worries them the most 
team style wise, player style wise? Like, what is the type of team that you think could give fans some pause if you remove just the you know element of oh my gosh, any mid major is going to worry him? Well, I think you kind of saw it last night. Not to call Northwestern a mid major, but a team that can spread you out and really get on a heater from three point range is, is something Purdue kind of struggles with or can struggle with from a defensive perspective. Um, I think if the game can be really physical and uh, not called tightly, I think that's something Purdue can that, that can give Purdue problems. But you know, to be honest with you, Purdue is so good offensively; it is hard to envision scenarios where they're not going to be able to outscore people, um, even if things go sideways on them from a defensive perspective against a, a difficult matchup. I think. You know, Purdue has a certain baseline here from a rebounding perspective. Uh, from an offensive perspective, they've been a really good three-point shooting team all year long. There haven't been those bottoming-out games like there were last year. Uh, so I think Purdue's pretty – I think their winning formula is pretty, pretty airtight here. Uh, you just worry about those outlier shooting games. Uh, you worry about turnovers more than anything. When Purdue has struggled this season – it's been directly correlated to turnovers. It cost them that first game against Northwestern. It contributed heavily to the loss at Nebraska, as did another outlier shooting game for uh, for the opponent. Um, but it's just the turnovers that Purdue's got to keep to a minimum here. That is the, the single biggest existential threat to their their ability to win. And uh, you know sometimes it pops up at the wrong time. Not that there's ever a great time for it, but it, it's kind of the one thing that can really cost Purdue. Um, game at the wrong time all eyes now on sunday afternoon from the cole center it is certainly the february game of the year in the big 10 we'll see about wisconsin they've got nebraska on the road tonight we know what can happen oh, that's there, tricky but that's that tricky. is tricky certainly but number two versus number six coming up uh on sunday afternoon brian love your work always appreciate you hopping on with us and uh, hopefully we can do it again here uh sometime this season no problem guys anytime you need me call me i usually whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We'd have our pop quiz. We'll push that back about 15 minutes or so, so we'll see how we do. Did pretty good yesterday, KB, if I'm not mistaken. I never remember the gentleman's name, but he did a good job. Got three or four right. Hey, so Tom, that ah, Maybe right? that was it. So we'll uh, we'll do that coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. All right, so we are quickly approaching uh, NBA All-Star Week, weekend, however you want to put it. There are a ton of events going to be all over the city of Indianapolis. And to talk about one of those events, a local guy, an Indianapolis guy, a Warren Central guy. KB loves him because he was a Notre Dame guy. Yeah. Uh, an NFL player, Sheldon Day, uh, Sheldon Day joins us Great here player, on Dame. the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sheldon, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing awesome. I appreciate y'all having me on. How y'all doing? Man, we're doing fantastic. I was going to ask you about uh, about the event. We'll get to that here in a second. But, I mean, Kevin, do you want to ever live uh, any Notre Dame Oh, Sheldon doesn't games? need to hear this from uh, me. You and Sheldon, what do you want to do here? Pretty much set up shop in the <laughs> opponent backfield on a frequent basis. I, a hell of a career. A Super Bowl participant as well. So, just simply a, a, a hat tip to Indy Zone. And, Sheldon, always good to hear your voice, man. 
I appreciate that so much, man. Don't hype me up too much, though, man. I'm, <laughs> we are hyping I'm, uh, you up. I'm my glory days right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I might need to email your agent and ask for, for, for a cut of that. All right, uh, let us know. I, I guess just right off the start, details on the event. Mark just tweeted out the link coming up coming up at Hinkle Fieldhouse, a week of the All-Star game. I believe it is the Wednesday night of All-Star weekend. Let us know what fans can see over at Hinkle. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, trying to give Indianapolis an affordable opportunity to experience All-Star Weekend. So bringing in my, a lot of my friends, we got Justin Jefferson, Keith Lee, Terrell Owens. The list continues just coming to Indianapolis Hinkle Fieldhouse. And we'll have a dunk contest, three-point contest, and a skills challenge. And we're just, we're just trying to get back to the city of Indianapolis. Tickets are as cheap as $10. You can go on Ticketmaster.com and type in Hinkle and you'll find Athletes and Influencers event at Hinkle Fieldhouse on Wednesday, February 14th from 6 to 9. And again, Mark Dykton has tweeted that out from our show account if you're looking for that link. Sheldon, what uh, what sparked you wanting to do this? Oh, man, uh, I've experienced All-Star Weekend in L.A., and I just thought it was way too expensive. So I wanted to give Indianapolis opportunity to get an, an affordable event. So reached out to a lot of my friends. A lot of us think we can play basketball. We think we can, you know, we're 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Some of us are 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and now we're going to put that to the test. Can we really play an NBA game? It's going to be everywhere. And we're going to find out who in the NFL can actually play in the NBA. And then also we're going to find out all these influencers that say, oh, I'm an athlete, stuff like that. We're going to put that to the test. I, I laugh at those comments because, Sheldon, the few times that I've been inside some NFL locker rooms for media availabilities, I think the dominant conversation more than any is guys in that locker room arguing over who is the best basketball player back in their high school days. <laughs> I think it's uh, kind of going on now, too, is who's the best basketball basketball player now. Still. So really trying to put that to the test. <laughs> Well, T.O.'s 50. He could, I mean, well, T.O. could hoop back yeah, in the Just day, a yeah. couple years ago, I remember on ESPN, he was doing dunks and everything else. Yeah, this is true. So uh, we're about to see if his old self can continue the athletic ability that he had when he was younger. <laughs> Again, we tweeted that out on the show accounts. Coming up on Wednesday, February 14th, 6 to 9 p.m., Hoops and Icons. Uh, again, Wednesday, February 15th there at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, that's something I, I – we. KB, we should be influencers in some way. I don't know. I, I always wonder how you get into how you get into Sheldon's something like that. Yeah, I, I have building. no idea. I don't know if you heard that from him. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Sheldon, I, I, if you don't mind, the Chiefs 49ers matchup obviously has me thinking back when you played in the Super Bowl a few years ago and was just yeah. hoping you could share maybe some of your memories from that game. You, you played a big role. I know certainly you guys had a lead and it got away from you in the fourth quarter. Uh, but what are your memories from what I would assume is probably one of your uh, more memorable nights of your uh, of your career? Oh, man. So, uh, I guess leading up to the game, everybody said, it's just a game. It's just a game. And I promise, I've never been more nervous to start in a game than that game right there. Uh, just knowing that the whole world is watching. I think, like, right as soon as they sung the national anthem, I'm like, all right, I can do this. I can do this. I just look up and I just see bright lights. So I finally understood what people said, like, when the moment's too big. And I was like, wow, this is what it really feels like. But after that first snap, you kind of get the gel going. Uh, like you said, we, we lost, I would think, one of the worst games I've lost. Uh, up 11, I'm like, man, we're about to go to Cancun. We're over here partying. We're, we're going to be at Vegas tomorrow. We're going to be Super Bowl champs. And all of a sudden, we lose by 10. So uh, quick turn of events for us. And uh, just trying to play that back in my head. Like, dang, could I have did this better? Or could we have did this better as a team? Oh, man, just uh, eats at you every single day.
Sheldon, obviously one of my memories. By the way, Sheldon Day, Warren Central, Notre Dame, former Colt as well. You remember him well. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. I, I remember how much DeForest Buckner like dominated that game. And honestly, if the Chiefs don't make that comeback, hell, I, I don't know if the media actually would have done it, but I thought Buckner could have been the MVP of that game. What do you recall about Buck in that one? Oh, man. <laughs> Buck's one of my closest friends, so uh... – Man, he dominated. We talked about it all week. Like, who's going to be that guy that takes over this game? And he took that and just wore it proudly. So, super proud of him and the career that he's had. But, uh, man, that, he, was, he was phenomenal that night. Sheldon Day with us here uh, on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, what do you make of the matchup then next week? Uh, anything stand out to you uh, uh, with the matchup? I really, 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 really want the 49ers to win. Uh, I have full faith in Kyle. I think. Uh, we, he's kind of learned from that that previous Super Bowl run. Uh, a lot of people say if he ran the ball or if he didn't do this, do that, uh, we probably would have been Super Bowl champs. But I think he's learned, and I think he's uh, more of an advanced offensive coordinator and play caller and things like that. So uh, I'm giving the edge to the 49ers, but I'm scared about Pat. Just can't count him out for some reason. I feel like he's on his, uh, his Tom Brady run. So really excited to watch this game. Sheldon Day with us here. He's had a hell of an NFL career. Sheldon, for our audience out there that maybe hasn't keeping close tabs since Indy, you know, you're with Cleveland and Minnesota. What what does your future look like NFL-wise for you? Oh, man, so heading into year nine. Uh, can't believe I just said that out loud. Uh, but it's, it's been a ride. So uh, we're going to continue to try to push this thing along. Still, still under contract with the Minnesota Vikings, and hopefully I'll sign back next year and uh, – I'll be in the Super Bowl next year, so that's that's the goal. I like it. I like that a lot. What what do you remember? I, I know it was in a long stay here in Indianapolis, yeah. battled some injuries. What was that like playing for your hometown team? We now see it with Juju Brents. Of course, Jack Doyle had a long career yeah. here. Uh, what was that like for you? Man, it was a dream come true. Uh, being able to play in front of your, your family and your friends is a great opportunity. Uh Sad it was cut short, but uh, injury, like like you said, injury bug kind of got a hold of me. Couldn't shake it, and uh, they decided we decided to part ways. So uh, definitely would not be opposed to coming back and having a, another lengthy stay here. So uh, definitely open to it. So uh, Chris Ballard hit me up. <laughs> I like that. He uh, does listen. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Sometimes things we say, he'll bring up in a press conference, it from something Mobile, like Alabama, that. The senior uh, Sheldon Day with us. All right, I gotta, I gotta ask you this, and I, people may roll their eyes and they may hate it. If you uh, right now, if you let's say, let's pretend you're back with the the Niners, you're in the Super Bowl, and you tackle Travis Kelsey, do you whisper something about Taylor Swift in his ear, or do you not do that? So, me personally, uh I wouldn't have to. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to, like, shake it off or something. Like, just something. Uh, I like it. I like it. You got to. You got to. You have to. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm with them. Sheldon, who is the best ba- – like, who will be the best basketball player we see at Hinkle coming up a week from Wednesday? Uh, so, um, my money's on Justin Jefferson. Um, he's, he was uh, talking trash, talking about how good he's, he's – a, how good of a basketball player he is. Uh, my money's on him, but I guess I guess there's some people saying that Max is nice will probably be the best um, basketball player there. He's an influencer, and uh, he's talking trash in the, in the chat. So 
I don't know. I, I'm excited for Justin because I know if he if he wins, it's going to be gritty in and having the kids gritty and things <laughs> like that. So we also have a gritty challenge that for the kids uh, doing a, a really oh, good gritty. Jefferson's challenge for them. winning that one. Yeah, my nephew gritties after everything oh, does he, he does. Does he really? To Justin Jefferson. <laughs> so he might need to be in the building. Did I see Kenny Moore is on this list? Yes, he is. Kenny strikes me as a pretty good basketball player. I know he's got some soccer background as well. I could see him being a great guy on the defensive. I could see him being a defensive guard. Into the floor. Yeah, yeah like a, a nice, lockdown like, defensive guard, guard stopper there. Yeah. Sheldon, I think this is an awesome idea. I, I, it's part of kind of what I want the next couple of weeks to be about for our audience too. All-Star Weekend, it is very expensive, to your point, to go to some of these marquee events. So for you thinking of this idea and doing it at Hinkle, I think is really cool. We're going to continue to tweet out the link, continue to pub it. And uh, glad to hear all is well, man. Thanks for representing our city so well and looking forward to seeing you a week from Wednesday. Definitely. I appreciate the support.